Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we continue our mini positional series with a look at wide receivers and people. I, I got the best guest I could for this position. Like, it's not even up for debate. <laughs> You heard him last year, returning guest. He told you just how special the artist known as A.J. Brown was in July before all the casuals had to find out in September. You can find his writing analysis over at Yahoo Sports, creator of Reception Perception, which people, truly, if you don't know what this is, one of the best metrics for grading wide receivers that you can find. Matt Harmon, who you can follow on Twitter, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Matt, welcome back. Thanks for the time, brother. Ian, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, this is uh, always a good time to chop it up with you. And, you know, it's just, it's crazy, man. Things are changing every single minute. It feels like here in August, you know, we've got Sony Michelle freak out. Like I did not see that one coming. I did not see uh, Sony Michelle being the main character of fantasy Twitter here in the middle of August or the end of August, basically. Like I did not see that one coming, but now nah, it's good to talk receivers with you here, man. It's, it's such a fun position. So, um, not just deep throughout the draft, but especially deep at the top of the draft this year, man, it is, it is, if you got to know about receivers, man, this is the year to do it. And one of the things that I love about your receiver analysis is you do a good job separating like which guys are great in fantasy, great in real life, both maybe one's up, maybe one's right. down. Like I think enough, too many people just see a guy's fantasy points and they're like, Oh, okay. That guy's that guy sucks then. And that's not the <laughs> whole story. You do a great job going route by route. The charts are fantastic. Truly people reception, perception.com. You're going to get more knowledge on wide receivers than just about anywhere else. And Matt sticking with that theme, Look, consensus, big five fantasy receivers, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley. People want to mess up the order. That's fine. Those are the big five. With that said, if you're starting an NFL franchise tomorrow, Matt Harmon is given the keys to the entire squad. <laughs> Which one of these receivers would you want on the team if you could only pick one? Man, yeah, those those top three, especially. And for me this year in fantasy, uh, I actually have our guy, AJ Brown at, at five ahead of Deandre Hopkins at six this year. So a little spicy there, but I mean that tier one in fantasy, I think is ironically that tier that you're going to want to pluck from. If you're starting an NFL franchise from scratch, you know, Diggs, uh, Adams, Tyree kill. That's the order that I have them in for fantasy this year. And I actually think that's probably the order I would have them in for real life too. You know, for Tyree kill, it's tough because is there a scarier proposition for a defense than defending Tyree kill? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I doubt it. Cause we saw, I think that, but that first bucks game during the regular season, you know, that was like the, the perfect example. And, you know, people think of Tyree kill as just a guy who is, is all speed and all athleticism. But, you know, I'm actually one of the, as you mentioned with reception perception, the real goal of RP is to isolate the receiver as much as possible from the outside variables and really hone in on their route running ability. And Tyree kill was a guy that way back in 2016, it's crazy to think about this now, but people were comparing him to like coming out of his rookie year as a gadget guy. Like, well, he could end up being like the next Cordero Patterson or Tavon Austin or something like that. And I know this is a pro Cordero Patterson show with you here, Ian, but I, <laughs> but I mean, at this point, it's like crazy to think that those were real concerns and reception perception actually showed like in the limited looks as a route runner, we got, he actually was really good. There as a separator in his rookie year. And that kind of has just progressed here throughout the rest of his career. He's actually number five in success rate versus press coverage last year in reception perception. But if I'm starting a franchise from day one, I'm going to go with the guy who was number one against press last year was number one against man coverage, 82.6% success rate for Stefan Diggs. That was the best 
in reception perception history dating back to 2014. I think he is a full field player, separates at every level, also was number one in contested catch rate for us last year. He's just a stud. Uh, uh, he wins deep, he wins short, wins intermediate, he does everything you want. It's crazy actually in fantasy that there's yet another ceiling that he could access if he boosts that touchdown rate up, which is certainly possible from just 4.8%. So I love Diggs, man. And I, I, I am there as a long, long time believer. This is actually the second season where Diggs has led the league in success rate versus man coverage. So as a long time Diggs guy, I'm happy to, to have that as like a legitimate, legitimate take I can have that he's the number one receiver in the NFL right now. Man, a year ago this time, people were just even wondering if he could be, uh, if he was going to be a number one wide receiver with the trade and the history. Right. Obviously, those concerns have been calmed uh, in a major way. So great stuff there. And the only other point I'd add with like Tyreek, the route running's there. And so is the ball tracking ability, man. Like we just assume all these deep threats have like D-Jack's ability to go get under the thing. I remember, I think it was Hill's like first game back uh, when he was injured in 2019. And they said, oh, he'll be limited snaps. Like first drive. Free play, Mahomes chucks it, double coverage, and he'll just skies up above him. Like he can do everything you want. Yeah, like, you know, DeAnthony Thomas, I think, was one of the players where people were saying, oh, is he'll just another one of these guys? Uh, no, oh, man. Even tough scene. Tough scene. He really is like Steve Smith at the catch point, is kind of the comparison that I put out there. Like he's got that my ball mentality for a smaller player. And just let's also mention Devontae Adams, too, as a guy that I think is right up there with Tyree Kill and right up there with Stefan Diggs. I'd actually put him second behind Diggs if I'm starting a team. And, you know, he's a guy that's one of the best separators in the NFL, uh, sixth against press coverage, uh, second against man coverage last year. Just a, a total stud in his own right. So I didn't want to leave the conversation with also not giving some credit to Devontae Adams as well when i see that like wide receiver cornerback iso uh re- replay after Devonte adams catch i just get nervous for the cornerback i'm like what are yeah. we about to see here where this he- poor guy <laughs> all right back into the fantasy world a little bit more here cd lamb hype train absolutely out of control uh dwayne mcfarlane and myself did talk about on the wednesday edition of this podcast though he is now seemingly starting in two wide receiver sets alongside amari cooper was mostly playing strictly from the slot last year but there is still cooper there and we got michael gallup on the outside unfortunately just one ball uh per play official nfl rules if you didn't realize that (laughs) matt where do you you fall on each of lamb cooper and gallup ahead of 2021 do you think there could be enough production for all three of these guys to ball out I think so. And I think the fact that they're moving these players around is actually pretty key for the projection for all three of these guys. And and for CD lamb, it's obvious. Cause as you mentioned, he was like a 90 plus percent slot guy last year, but reception perception would show you that he could absolutely thrive on the outside. 72.5% success rate versus man, 80% success rate versus press and very limited looks like actually, when you look at the coverages he faced and the routes he ran, his role was kind of almost similar to like Cooper cup out in LA. And we would not really think of those two guys as like comparable at all. So I would love to see lamb move more to that outside perimeter guy, you know, a player that can win vertically. I absolutely believe he could be a deep threat, intermediate threat, a short threat as well. Like he's a full field player to me. I think he, I have him comfortably ranked as the top receiver on the Dallas roster heading into this year, because I just think there's a chance that by the end of this season, we're all in consensus agreement that, yeah, he's just, he's just a better player than Amari Cooper. That's the ceiling that I believe this guy has Cooper. I still have, you know, very comfortably ranked as like wide receiver 17, a guy I'm totally comfortable taking in the early rounds. Cause I do believe there's enough production for all these guys, but the trickle down to Michael Gallup, who I think is one of the biggest values in fantasy right now is huge because 
Gallup last year ran the most routes against press coverage on the team because he's that outside perimeter X receiver. Um, and I think Gallup's a really underrated player, good separator, always been strong in reception perception, uh, but he just has to run the most difficult routes on the team as that ISO X receiver on the vast majority of his snaps. If lamb is going to take some of those perimeter looks and Gallup is going to get to move more inside or Cooper's going to get to move more inside and Gallup's going to get to play more flanker. I actually think that evens out the production for all three of these guys. I think you have to kind of comfortably rank lamb and Cooper a little bit ahead of Gallup. Cause he, they're the top two receivers, most likely in two wide receiver sets. They're going to play there, but you know, coming out of that, I think Gallup is still very, very underrated in fantasy right now, man, the Gallup free agency, uh, you know, just chase next year. If he ends up hitting the open market, yeah. I just already picture myself, you know, tweeting out, please give Michael Gallup to the Packers like tomorrow. So <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Yeah. It's interesting, man. I, I have had Cooper one spot ahead of CD throughout the off season. I just think Cooper can hold on to it for one more year. Dynasty land. It's not even close. So I'm looking at Cooper's right. contract right now. And I know he got that hundred mil from the Cowboys over five years. Like most contracts though, they can actually get out quite a bit earlier. Not a guarantee Cooper will be back next year. Obviously CD, he still has quite some time. We're talking redraft, redraft here, Matt, but looking at dynasty, it's got to be AJB Jefferson CD top three, right? I can't think of anyone else that should really be in that group. Yeah. I mean, guys like Adams and Diggs and, and even Tyree kill are young enough that, and they're good enough and they already have proven that alpha profile that it's, it's tough to, you know, it's tough to not have them in that conversation, but yeah, those guys, uh, the three you mentioned Jefferson, especially I think had, just such an unbelievable rookie season, obviously from a production angle, we know that part of it. That's, that's easy to spot, but even from a reception perception angle, you know, he was number two, actually, ironically only trailing Stefan Diggs, number two in success rate versus press coverage last year. The lucky that the Vikings, um, got, got, got a little bit of a blessing there with, uh, the Eagles deciding not to take Justin Jefferson. Could you imagine if the Eagles had just taken Justin Jefferson and like, the Vikings didn't have him. They, they would actually really not look great with that Stefan Diggs trade. So it's good to be good. It's better to be even a little bit lucky there as well. So, um, but Justin Jefferson is a stone cold baller, number two in success rate versus press coverage. No questions about him as a player. No question about it, sustainability and Brown. He's, he's, I, I'm tempted to have him as a number one receiver in dynasty, man, just because I think he has, that unbelievable ceiling in his range of outcomes. And we have barely kind of seen him scratch that so far. And, you know, people think of him as just like a big after catch threat or a big contested catch guy, but he was number three, like the in success rate versus man coverage last year, he showed that he can get open deep, short, intermediate. Like there's no coverage that AJ Brown can't beat. He's a true full field separator. So I think he right now would be my number one receiver in dynasty. That is how hard I'm willing to buy this player. Absolutely criminal. AJ Brown only has six career games with more than eight targets. Give that dude a legit 150. I know, right? Ceiling is the freaking roof, people. All right, Matt. I know this guy's been one of your favorites as well. Allen Robinson. He's made the most out of bad quarterbacks. So I was NFL and collegiate career alike. So we have Andy Dalton and Justin Fields coming in. And if you wanted to say those are the best quarterbacks ever played with, I wouldn't disagree. You could also say, damn, man, he's got two more quarterbacks to adjust to at this point. Seemingly the way Nagy's been doing it, you know, Fields isn't even getting, he just now maybe got some reps with the first team receivers. Again, I know A-Rob in terms of what a receiver can do and all the route running ability to get open, few are better than him. 
Are you worried at all about, and just worried a little bit enough to maybe fade him as a top 12 option though, going to 2021 with the quarterback changes. It could be an upgrade. We did see him bust that one time at Bortles as great as he was the one time other. Right. Yeah. As you mentioned, unbelievable route runner first in 2019 and success rate versus man number four last year. So like only the best of the best sustain that number like year over year. And I think Robinson has gotten to the point where he is one of those elite receivers in the NFL on an individual basis. Yeah. It's, it's tough, man. Like longtime Robinson guys like me, were literally gritting our teeth in March. You know, Andy Dalton is the best quarterback Allen Robinson has ever played with after one calendar year ago going, well, Nick Foles is the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever played with. And I absolutely said those words about Nick Foles. I remember. Yeah. hundred percent. Me too. Again, through gritted teeth, but they were still out there. And I do think the fact that we've seen Robinson finish as a top 12 option the last two years when really, I think the good, if I'm going to give Matt Nagy credit for something, and I, I actually think he's kind of underrated as a play caller. I definitely think he puts himself into some brain pretzels sometimes, you know, obviously the fact that it was partially his call to go out and get Nick Foles. That's a knock you're going to have against him. Nagy's definitely not perfect as a coach, but as a play caller or play designer, I think one of the things that they've done really well with Allen Robinson is they've, had him run a bunch of slants some more short routes when, you know, they didn't have a good offensive line when Mitchell Trubisky was just trying to get the ball out really quickly. And I think that's really kept his floor afloat. So I think you still have to rank him comfortably inside the top 12 at the wide receiver position. It's just, what is the ceiling? You know, like if we were going to rank Allen Robinson with a good quarterback, no question about it. Like if Justin Fields was going to come in week one and hit the ground running, we'd probably put Allen Robinson in that AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley group, you know, up there close to the top five, you know, around that Deandre Hopkins neighborhood. But because we don't have that full field confidence, I think you've got to kind of put him back towards nine to 11, because we know the ceiling is still there, but the fact that he could access or that, that the floor is still there, but it's about accessing the ceiling. And we do need, Justin Fields to do that. Like, I don't think Andy Dalton is getting Allen Robinson to that ceiling. He might keep his floor afloat, but you know, he's like, not to mention that he's always a guy that they work to get open and he works to get himself open, but he is such a great ball winner as well that I think quarterbacks do just come to trust and rely on him. And like, you know, I always kind of hate the ar argument of like, who else are they going to throw the ball to? But like, as much as I like Darnell Mooney as a sleeper and a potential role player, it's just clear that another 150 balls is going to go Allen Robinson's way this year. That top group. Adams, Hill, Diggs, Hopkins, Ridley, throw, you know, I'm going to leave AJB out of there just for a second. They're all guys that should get 150 targets, no questions asked from at least very good quarterbacks. Maybe that's a little strong for Matt Ryan these days, but more yeah. proven quarterbacks than Fields and Dalton. But to your point, if Fields is as good as a lot of people think he could be, man, year one, Allen Robinson, if he gets the wide receiver one overall, that wouldn't be the most shocking thing ever. He has the workload as those guys. We know he's at least in the same, uh, you know, stratosphere. I'd say same planet as them uh, in terms of overall talent. Hey, upsides there. Someone that I've come up a little bit more on throughout the offseason. One of those guys where I move him up and I'm like, why was I even down on him in the first place? Allen Robinson, great football. Please get the guy a wide receiver one. I can't watch him be Andre Johnson his whole career. <laughs> For real. And you know who kind of has that upside that people – don't really talk about that this year. Like last year when shout out to me, I <laughs> called Devonte Adams as the wide receiver one and, and wrote that article back in July prior to prior to the season. And by the way, great to reread re the comments on that one um, or the replies to the tweet. Like the reason that I, I went out there and said that is like that the unique confluence of events that pushed Michael Thomas up 
to that status in 2019 were all clearly present for Adams in 2020. And it's basically like a three pillared approach. It's number one, you're going to get a dominant target share within your own offense. Number two, you got to be tethered to an efficient quarterback. Like again, Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, sort of the same comparison there. Um, and number three, you have to be verifiably great at the game. Does Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, but does Keenan Allen not also check all three of those boxes as well? Like, he's going to get a huge target share there because he's just such a stud, which again, check number three there. Uh, he's a verifiably good at the game. They only have Austin Eckler and Mike Williams as guys that are going to command targets in that offense. You know, players like Josh Palmer or Jared cook or Donald Parham, like we'll see those guys should definitely fill in as role players, but Allen should see a really healthy target share. And again, tethered to Justin Herbert, who we all expect to be on this huge upward trajectory after a great rookie year, like Keenan Allen kind of has all the the variables that you would, you know, expect out of a quote surprise wide receiver one overall season. McLaurin definitely has that. If Fitzpatrick can be efficient this year, but like, and I'm in on Fitzpatrick, I'm totally a Fitzpatrick guy, but would you not say for sure that like Justin Herbert definitely much more reliable at this point uh, than Ryan Fitzpatrick is. I feel like those variables are in place for Keenan Allen but he's not quite getting the excitement around Robinson and Justin Fields, that, that tandem, obviously we're all, I'm totally hundred percent in on Terry McLaurin, but I kind of think Keenan Allen is, is just a, a boring pick this year, but might have much more upside than people think. He's my overall wide receiver six. So I think that's why I didn't Oh, let's go. <laughs> I'm already there. I was looking down the list past him to see uh, where we're at. 12.2 targets per game with Herbert under center last year in the non-injury shortened games. Like, look, I, per game stats are definitely better than totals, but even then we got to do a little more digging sometimes for the Keenan Allen, yeah. Deontay Johnson's of the world where they came in, they got two targets and they left. Yeah, Keenan Allen all day, man, twice on Sundays. And what a great transition to our next guy, the main event, Deontay Johnson. Matt, like maybe the two things that pissed me off the most this offseason are people penalizing <laughs> Deontay Johnson for drops and pretending like the Browns are better off without OBJ. We'll get to that second topic here in a minute. But right now for Deontay Johnson, please tell the people that this man is a number one wide receiver poised for even more greatness in 2021. Yeah. Deontay Johnson led all receivers in success rate versus zone coverage last year. He was number seven in success rate versus man coverage. 95th percentile all time reception perception history was his success rate versus man coverage score last year. And before the people out there just say he, you know, he's a little bunny hop receiver, just running the slants. I agree. They definitely used him a lot on those like little layup plays, but I think they were using him that way as an extension of the running game. You know, number one targets are earned. Like guys don't just throw the football to guys because it's a random type of thing. Like there he's getting those targets because Ben Roethlisberger thinks he's good, but you know, the Patriots offense used to do this all the time. They would, they would like use Julian Edelman as an extension of the running game when they didn't really have a good ground and pound attack. And there was no, almost no worse running game than imaginable than what the Steelers were feeding last year. So I think that that was kind of the reason they used him on those plays. But when you look at his route charts on receptionperception.com, he is above the NFL average on every single route, but two, the corner route and the comeback route. Other than that, total green all the way above average success rate. Cause he can separate short, deep, intermediate. And that deep part is part of his game. Again, maybe the targets weren't there because of the way they were designing the offense last year, but he is absolutely a guy that can win all over the field, can beat press coverage, can beat man coverage. And I think is a true number one receiver. Like if he 
didn't have like, I mean, I don't care about stats like yards per target or something like that. Like you're, you're inherently welcoming in the variable of the quarterback and the offense around him. That's why I do reception perception is to isolate the wide receiver from those variables. And when you look at him from that lens, when you look at it, just his ability to separate all over the field, we know drops aren't a sticky statistic. So I, and, and again, no one holds drops against like DK Metcalf or AJ Brown or, um, you know, DJ Moore last year. You know, we all agree. Those are like young, promising receivers. Deontay's on that same trajectory to me, all the other variables just kind of have to catch up along with him. That's what it feels like to me, man. Just selective, like stat picking only for Deontay. Most drops over the past two years, Metcalf, Gallup, Deontay, Tyreek, Diggs, and Evans. We never hear that when we're talking about those guys. It's, it reminds me of, you know, some of the running backs where people will be like, oh, you, we fade Mixon and Najee Harris because they're offensive lines without paying any mind to Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. Right. Having bad ones. And hey, you know, if I don't think either of those metrics are something we should be hanging our hat on, but if you're going to consider it with one guy, we need to do it with the rest. So fantastic 100%. stuff, Matt. I'm just curious, where do you have Deontay ranked? I've had him wide receiver 16. I think I flirted with 15 earlier this off season, but for me, every time in the top 20, I almost had to stop myself in some best balls because he'd always be there for me. I'm like, hold on yeah. wait one more round and he'll still be there. I have him in my fourth tier of receivers, which is alongside guys from like wide receiver 20 to wide receiver 23, you know, Brandon, Ayuk, Julia, Julio Jones, Adam Thielen, and then Deontay Johnson there, right along with Odell Beckham. Like, and that's like my favorite tier of guys to draft when you, when you get into like that fifth to sixth round range. Um, and man, yeah, I, I think Deontay, you could easily, if, if the quarterback position was completely like not a question, I would be totally comfortable putting him inside the top 15, but you know, I do have to adjust a little bit for Ben there from a fan angle, but yeah, I have no problem. Like in the fifth round, when Deontay's on the board, I've got no problem taking him there. Fair points all around. Let's talk about OBJ. He said is in that tier. When I had my, I think rankings compared to ADP and we sent out a cool tweet about it. The four wide receivers I was highest on Michael Thomas pre-injury. Damn. Yeah. Uh, OBJ <laughs> Deontay, and then Devonte Smith, who I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, but for me with OBJ, this guy was the wide receiver 19 before he got hurt last year. I know he's not getting the giants target totals, but we don't even have to draft him at that value. Like he used to be. I still think even if the prime no, number 100% version of OBJ isn't there, if we can just get 90% of that guy with the best version of Baker Mayfield, Matt, I still think there might be a wide receiver one somewhere in Cleveland. Yeah. Like I kind of feel as if the giants version of Odell Beckham, who by the way, I think was a legendary talent, like on a hall of fame trajectory. I don't know if I'm willing to hold out hope that we ever see that again. Right. Because, because there's been so many lower body injuries and unfortunately we have another injury question this year, you know, like maybe that's just sort of started to take its toll because, you know, when you look at Beckham from his giants days, he still owns two of the top four success rate versus man coverage scores ever recorded in reception perception over the 98th percentile success rate versus press every single charted season from his giants days. I mean, he was again, the best of the best back then. Um, and then he gets to Cleveland and like all of his RP success rates just crater in that 2019 season. I'm sure we probably talked about it on the podcast last year. And then you were sort of kind of heading into 2020. You had to ask yourself, well, was that just a one year blip or was he just not healthy or like, what, what's the deal there? I tended to fall on the path that he probably was not healthy in 2019. And I think he kind of came out and proved that in 2020 with a 91st percentile success rate versus man coverage 94th against press. You know, again, those aren't his legendary scores of old, but those are very good numbers. I think from an individual 
route running separation basis. Odell Beckham was very good last year. And I don't buy into the narrative as you mentioned at all that like Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham just like, can't figure it out chemistry wise. I think it's just been coincidence that they haven't popped off together. You know, it wasn't as if the second Odell Beckham left the lineup last year, Baker Mayfield was just chucking five touchdowns a game. You know, it didn't really happen like that. It was later on when Baker got comfortable in the offense, then things were working well. I think Beckham can be a part of that solution. I mean, the best offensive performance Cleveland had perhaps all last year was when Beckham was at the centerpiece against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it was against the Cowboys. Everybody had great games against Cowboys, but nevertheless, like I think that Beckham can be part of the solution there. And, you know, again, I think based on his 2020 RP limited sample there, but that was so, so encouraging. It's just, again, it's a shame. We have another injury question heading into this year, but yeah, if we get, even just the 2020, not like the prime giants version of Odell Beckham, but just the 2020 version of Beckham back again, layered on top of this already very efficient Browns offense. I think he's a lock to outkick his draft cost this year. Yeah. You tweet out some Beckham highlights and people will be at your neck talking about how they only came against the Cowboys. You send out a CD lamb catch in training camp though. And everyone is just thrilled. And, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. People again, it's just about the ADP here. I'm not even telling you to go back to believing OBJ is going to be giants. OBJ last year, he was a PPR wide receiver 12 off the board 2018. He could have been a top five guy. If, if you ranked him wide receiver one going to that first year, I wouldn't necessarily, or excuse me, 2019, if you would have done that, wouldn't have blamed you this year wide receiver 27 OBJ wide receiver three in this economy buy him up everybody let's talk some rookies Matt we got Tamar Chase Devontae Smith consensus top two fantasy receivers bit of a free fall Jalen Waddle Elijah Moore Rondale Moore Terrence Marshall all these guys are kind of going that wide receiver four wide receiver five range out of that last group Waddle Moore Moore Marshall maybe there's another rookie you like is there someone that just really you think could have a chance to come in and make a day one impact yeah, for me, it's Elijah Moore. And, you know, as long as he gets healthy, like I love that Zach Wilson's actually been playing well in preseason because that was kind of the biggest question for me was what's the Jets, you know, quarterback situation going to look like? Because Elijah Moore, man, I, I do think this guy is just a rocket ship. I think he's a superstar in the making 95th percentile success rate versus man coverage as a collegiate player also showed pretty well against press coverage and extremely limited looks because they line him so much as a slot receiver, but I think he can hack it outside. And I think he's on that, like Tyler Lockett potential trajectory where he would be a weapon from the slot, but actually be a really good outside receiver when they ask him to do that as well. And there are moments where you're watching Elijah Moore and you can't help but think of like early career, Antonio Brown, like his early days with the Steelers when he was just getting open all over the field, but also just so dynamic after the catch in the open field and had this, you know, insane way of like plucking the ball out of the air and then transitioning immediately to being a yak threat. That does, that's the part, not even just the route running, but that's the part that really, really reminds me of Antonio Brown, those early Steelers days when he was just starting to come onto the scene. So um, yeah, I, I really find myself just believing in this player um, as a future number one receiver potentially. And I like Corey Davis in drafts this year too. Like I've been ahead of Corey Davis literally all off season. I'm not like a huge, huge Corey Davis fan as a player, but when you go down the list of these jets receivers, like everybody's freaking out about, man, you know, Denzel Mims playing with the third team, like Keelan Cole, we didn't realize this guy was like actually a pretty good player. Like Jamison Crowder gets resigned. It's like the one guy that we know, you know, and even Elijah Moore, all the hype, there's still the injury question that he, he eventually got dinged up with the guy that's been there all the time. That's going to be out there for pretty much every snap and get a, bo a, a boatload of targets. Like that's 
Corey Davis. And like, he goes in like the fifties, you know, sometimes at wide receiver. So um, I've been buying both Moore and Davis this year, but yeah, among the rookies, like the, the second tier of rookies, third tier of rookies, it's definitely Elijah Moore for me. For, for me, it's like Waddle, Fuller, both. They're both cheap, cheap yeah. enough to get them. Davis, Moore, same thing. Particularly, like you said, with Zach Wilson. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he'll be the next big rookie quarterback. Even if he's not, like he at least looks capable of enabling at least one or two wide receivers. Not that cost, man. Sign me up. Yeah, Elijah Moore, first time. I don't watch enough college football as I should. I'm working on it, people. But, you know, we can't can't take away Saturday and Sunday from the family every I'm, I'm right. Th- I'm right there with you, buddy. I don't watch like almost a second of college football during the regular season because like, yeah, I, it's tough to sell tough to sell that to the fiance. Like, yeah, I'm going to basically ignore you and everybody uh, all all uh, Sunday. Absolutely. But that's for work. Like, I can't then be like, you know what? I'm doing that for pleasure, too, on Saturday. <laughs> I'll try to fight for my Buckeye game. But yeah, other than that, I'm just catching, you know, a spare one here or there i did remember seeing everyone freaking out on twitter so i turned on an old miss game and there's lane kiffin chucking his clipboard up to the head on that clipboard up yeah. every time elijah moore is running away from the defense yet again so yeah i mean just out you know yourself and plenty of other just you know i think josh norris another one a lot of people who do grind the film and just know a lot about some of these prospects when they're coming out i've heard a lot of pauses for elijah moore and it was hitting that way throughout training camp too man he, he had this injury it could almost be a blessing in disguise similar to the Vontae Smith and just not having their ADP skyrocket because Elijah is expected to come back play in week three of the preseason against the Eagles. If we get one of those big plays, man, or anything resembling Corey Davis's uh, target rate, I think we're going to see that ADP skyrocket. Matt, we talked about Allen Robinson a little bit earlier. Great player. No one's disputing that. Just the situation maybe could hold him back. What about DJ Moore? Because as much as I love him as the player, I just don't think Sam Donald is going to be more than an average quarterback in Carolina. Maybe it doesn't matter. Joe Brady's there. Great system. We got other talent around him. We'll see what happens. It's one of the, you know, the most interesting storylines going to the year. How do you feel about DJ Moore this year? And do you think he's good enough to win out and be that featured wide receiver one, despite being in an overall meh environment? Yeah, definitely a meh environment. And I feel like that's kind of been the case for DJ Moore basically throughout his career. Like there's been one variable or another that just hasn't always been there, but I actually give DJ Moore a lot of credit as one of the, you know, a lot of times for folks that are new to reception perception, like a lot of times they're the metrics that these guys come in with as rookies or early on, they stay pretty stable, but every now and again, there are guys like Kenny Galladay is a good example. And DJ Moore, perhaps even a better example of guys that just take like a steady 5% growth, like throughout each individual season Moore is definitely one of those guys who was not a great route runner early on in his career. But I think last year showed that ability to not just win on slants and flats and, you know, some of those shorter routes that he was doing early on in his career, you know, digs, everything like that really start to win on deep patterns as well. And like the Panthers actually threw to him deep, you know, he had a really high dot last year, which I don't think anybody expected. We expected Robbie Anderson to be that guy. Yeah. Weirdly it was DJ Moore, And, you know, maybe that flips a little more this year. I actually think that the Panthers, similar to what I said about the Cowboys, I think the Panthers moving their receivers around a bit more probably would have been a good idea last year would definitely be a good idea this year, but I think DJ Moore is really developing into a really high quality receiver. It is just the environment. As you mentioned, I mean, Robbie Anderson's good. Robbie Anderson is going to command volume. Terrace Marshall love Terrace Marshall. And he looks like a guy that is going to be knocking on the door, like commanding the ball as well. It's just tough to throw the targets all around there. And and again, the, the fact that we're going to get it probably inefficient quarterback play, 
again this year might lead to just similar results for these guys as it was last year, which is some pretty good yardage totals at the end of the year, not great in the touchdown column. Um, and, and some, because of that, some very like variation within their weekly production. And, you know, obviously Mike Davis had a pretty decent receiving role last year. Chris McCaffrey's going to have a bigger receiving role when he's out there this year too. So that could, I, I don't mind DJ more when he gets to like the end of the fifth, like when, if he falls there and in, in some drafts I've done this year, he will, he will go in that range. Like if he falls towards like the Brandon Ayuk or Deontay Johnson tier, like I'm definitely willing to take him there uh, because I believe in the player and believe that he is the wide receiver one in Carolina and their actions will soon speak to that when they extend DJ more. But yeah, to me, I don't, I don't have questions about the player, but it is tough environment. It's been hard to get behind the top 20 valuation. Robbie outscored him last year. That could easily happen again. You lost Curtis. Marshall is not guaranteed to take a big uh, back step from that target total into your, yeah. The most target hog running back in the entire league is back. So (laughs) not looking good. One fun storyline to watch. Will DJ Moore for the third straight season finish with exactly 1,215 yards from scrimmage and four touchdowns. We'll see. Unbelievable. You got the uh, (laughs) Alvin Kamara 83 reception streak now going on a little bit different for DJ. It it just sucks, man. I I did an article earlier this offseason. most unlucky receivers in the NFL. We have some cool uncatchable targets metrics uh, back in PFF ultimate and all that fun stuff. The two main guys, DJ Moore and Jerry Judy. Unfortunately, Jerry Judy got it last year with Drew Locke. Now he's getting Teddy. We'll see. I do think Teddy over Drew is, of course, an upgrade. You can look at every single statistic other than big time throws. Uh, Teddy is a superior quarterback. So I I would say Teddy is good news for Judy. But once again, it's just like DJ Moore and just like Andy Dahl, you know, through gritted teeth. Like, okay, we got Teddy Bridgewater in Denver now. How do you feel about Judy? Because, you know, Similar to Deontay, we had the drops similar to Deontay and some of these other guys we've talked about a whole lot of goodness in the route running department as well. Is he someone that you're just anticipating being able to overcome this rather poor situation? Yeah, I think the route running is absolutely there with Judy. Um, He could definitely be a little bit better in some contested situations. Like I have more questions from like a ball tracking hands perspective with Jerry Judy than I do with Deontay Johnson. Um, but no like questions to, to push him down enough. Like the separation was there as a rookie reception, perception profile, very good third among rookies last year in success rate versus man coverage trailing only Justin Jefferson and Brandon Ayuk. Um, and I, I think the fact that there's some clarity at the wide receiver position, because like the reports about Cortland Sutton's rehab are still kind of like, Eh. And we don't want eh in August. We want like full field positivity, you know, when it comes to injury status. Um, there's been just some pessimism around Cortland Sutton there and that recovery from an ACL injury that was almost a calendar year ago. So that's not great. But I think Judy by by hook or by crook will end up being the number one receiver in Denver this year. And, and that's probably good if the target total is more constricted to his to his direction, because I think the problem with saying that, well, listen, Teddy Bridgewater supported three top 25 receivers in Carolina last year, you know, and a pretty good running back in Mike Davis catching the ball is like, yeah, he was having to do that with the Panthers defense last year, kind of being forced into pass heavy situations. Denver is almost certainly going to be a top five defense this year. So Bridgewater, I think could be a little bit more conservative, even more so even more conservative uh, than he usually is like conservative with a good defense behind him, like two pretty good running backs there, Melvin Gordon, and especially rookie Javante Williams. Like, I don't know that there's going to be enough passing volume for 
Judy Sutton and Noah fan. Who's going off the board as a top 10 tight end with guys like KJ Hamler. Who's a legit sleeper and Tim Patrick who pops every time that he gets on the field. You know, I don't know. There's going to be enough passing volume there in Denver for Sutton, Judy and Fant to all hit ADP. The guy though, I'm most confident in is definitely Jerry Judy. Yeah, he definitely should be the one, but we keep seeing the Teddy enabled three top 24 wide receivers last year. Great. It's a brand new offense, which a month with a much better defense. And he still, he hasn't thrown for more than 15 touchdowns in a single season. Yeah. Oh, the man. defense is the biggest difference between like the, what they were doing with Carolina last year. Like that was, we know they went full blown, like rebuild the defense. They spent all their damn draft picks on defense last year. I think like, you know, Denver is fully like locked and loaded and just added like another great corner. In addition to all the other corners they added in the off season. So like they're just very, very different environments to me. Like I don't really care one bit what Teddy did with the receivers in, in Carolina last year. Just like you said, totally different environment. I will say though, people, if you can snag Judy, you know, maybe he's falls around seven year and eight or 10 uh, man league or something like that falls down there. You get that keeper tag on him. What if Mr. Aaron Rodgers makes his way to Denver next year. Right. That would be something, man, for all three of those guys. I know we've talked about it all off season, but there just literally isn't a better landing spot. No. All right, Matt. Again, we've talked about your reception perception stuff, all podcasts. Again, people, receptionperception.com. Who do you really think are the NFL's top tier of route runners, though? And I'm not just saying 2020, you know, first, second, third percentile. Just in your opinion. I'm not saying Mount Rushmore. I don't want to rip off a part of my take top three, top five, whatever, whatever list you got, who do you consider to be in that upper echelon top tier of route runners in the NFL? Yeah. So I think the top three, just based on, by the way, like the King of this would have been Antonio Brown in his prime, like he from, from reception perception standpoint. And for the first time ever, actually, you can access historical RP data on the website, receptionperception.com If you sign up for the highest tier. So like, you can go back and see like, yeah, AB was always up there. Um, basically when he ever, he played in his prime. Um, so he would have been that guy, but like right now, I think it has to start with Stefan Diggs, Devonte Adams and Keenan Allen. Like those are the, I feel like the only three legitimate answers. <laughs> Other than that, I feel like you're kind of at a stretch, you know, Michael Thomas does kind of deserve mention too, because he's posted really great scores throughout his career. Um, but I think from what, like a full field domination perspective, we're looking at Diggs, Adam and Ke Adams and Keenan Allen as those guys, you know, the next group of, of players, I think you'd put in that same range, you know, that's when you start looking at, you know, you're, you're already Justin Jefferson or Calvin Ridley or Tyree kill. I mentioned earlier, um, Terry McLaurin absolutely deserves to be mentioned in that group based on his first two seasons. He's knocking on that door, but yeah, I think like if we're talking top three, no doubt about it to me, I think it begins and ends and really is only like a legitimate discussion. If you're adding Diggs, Adam, uh, uh, Devonte Adams or, uh, Keenan Allen. I love Keenan Allen cracking the list. I was lucky enough. I got to interview uh, Mike Williams on this podcast earlier this summer. Oh, and nice. I asked him if, uh, you know, he, and, cause I asked him about Keenan. I was like, that route running is so crazy. Some of his releases, I haven't, it reminds me of Stevie Johnson to an extent. And they did overlap for one year. And Mike straight up came out and was like, oh yeah, we watched Stevie Johnson film all the damn time. <laughs> do you ever go back and chart his, I know that was like 2011, 12 was like his best years, but do you ever chart uh, Stevie stuff? 
Yes. Yeah. No, I have one of his seasons in the historical database. And like, funny enough that you mentioned that. Cause yeah, I, I always thought like what an unbelievable, like route running tandem that would have been, had they really been firing off, like without the injuries, but yeah, he's actually a guy that is over the 90th percentile, Stevie Johnson, this, the season that I have for him in there. Like he would be someone, I think that folks would be surprised like to see up there, but yeah, no, I mean, he was, he's a great mention. Cause um, I, I, he was just a really underrated player for such a long time. Hope Stevie's enjoying his retirement. Just lounging out at Revis Island, only guy allowed in there. All right, Matt. Exactly. <laughs> Great job, man. I want to do some quick hitters. One or two sentences if you can help it, and I'll just keep teeing you up. Brandon Ayuk versus Debo Samuels, 2021 fantasy production. Who you got? If I haven't dropped enough hints here so far, it's 1000% Brandon Ayuk. I think he's the next great alpha receiver in the NFL that is ready to take that step. And, you know, whenever we get Trey Lance in there, I think that's going to boost the offensive efficiency. A little worry about the volume, but you are right, man. Everything that dude did last year looked very high level. Do you think Juju is worth buying low or is he cooked? I wouldn't say cooked, but depends on where he is next year. I think he can only operate as a slot receiver, which is why he got passed up, you know, in the target pecking order by Deontay Johnson. Um, and you know, there, there's a reason for that. I believe I was pleasant. He was breaking a couple tackles out there in the preseason, probably against backups, but I just want to see that part of his game again. I know yeah, he's yes, probably not going to be, you know, having a B on the outside, taking attention away. Just give me some semblance of the guy that we saw really just putting up crazy yak numbers. All right, we've talked about Corey Davis a little bit. You mentioned how you've you know kind of been ahead of it. Do you consider him the best late round receiver though? We'll say like rounds, you know, eight and on. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that he is in that conversation. I think him and Curtis Samuel and Michael Gallup, if he gets there, and Gallup is one of those guys that has such an unbelievable variation in his draft, like price based on where you're drafting. Like if you're drafting on underdog, he's going to be like a seventh round pick. If you're drafting in your like home league and over the weekend, he's probably going to be like undrafted maybe. So Gallup, if he fits the mold, I think would be there. But then yeah, Curtis Samuel and Corey Davis are the guys uh, that I really like in rounds eight to 10. Yeah. From about an hour ago, Ron Rivera did say he's optimistic. Curtis Samuel will practice next week. This dude's, you know, nothing has changed about his projected role. It's not ideal. He's hurt. Seems to be on the way coming back and you can now get him cheaper than ever. Who is your favorite Jaguars receiver at cost right now? Oh, Marvin Jones, for sure. Um, I have been saying all off season that the, and I know he's actually just popped up on the injury report. It's not like he's going to play week one, whatever, but um, I've been saying all off season that the to Jones, like all kind of needs to close a little bit. Like, sure, Chark should come off the board first because he's a guy, whatever. But uh, to me, yeah, I, I, I think Jones is the best at it cost. Like, I'd be zero. Would you be zero surprised? No, I mean, it could, that certainly could be Marvin. I almost wanted to be out on him originally. I thought last year him, you know, really needed those extra targets once, once Galladay got out of the picture, but to see the actual disparity show up the way it did, like, yeah, just take the cheapest guy. Yeah. Marvin Jones had himself a nice preseason as well. Matt, you were fantastic, man. Really appreciate the time. Everyone can find your stuff again, receptionperception.com, writing, podcasting over at Yahoo Sports. Anything else you want to get off your chest before we get you out of here? Now, nah, man, just I hope everybody has a good season and uh, checks out Reception Perception. 21 season is going to be 
is going to be a good one, man. I'm, I'm just ready now to see all the results of all the takes we've been building all off season. I'm ready to see some actual real games now. Absolutely. Enough with these midweek injuries that are bailing people out about <laughs> this and this or that. Let's just get some real games going, real fantasy points going, and go get some of these dope wide receivers. He's Matt Harmon. I'm Ian Hart. It's been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.